Hello and welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and explores how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities, both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and my guest at this time is Mihail Georgiou, a PhD researcher at the university. When we're going to talk about a new study that's found how living near a blue space can reduce mental health conditions. Mihail, it is brilliant to have you on the show today. Thank you very much for joining me. Me. Uh, could you just give us an overview of this study that you carried out? Yeah, sure. So we wanted to find out if there is an effect of living near blue space, especially near the canals on the north of Glasgow, on the, on the risk of developing a mental health disorder. So we conducted a study around the 250-year-old Forth and Clyde Canal, which runs through some of the most deprived areas in North Glasgow, and it's also an area where massive regeneration effort is taking place over the last 20 years. Now, you were the lead author on the paper. Can you tell us a bit more what was involved with that? I was the lead author of this particular study, which means that I was involved in everything from theory to materialization of this study. But all this was, of course, a team effort. So this also gives me a great opportunity to thank my wonderful colleagues. So Dr. Zoe Tiggs, Neve Smith, Professor Gordon Morrison and Professor Sebastian Tastin, who is the primary investigator of all our blue space research. Why did you choose to focus on the north of Glasgow for the study? That's a very good question. The area of the Forth and Clyde Canal on the north of Glasgow is an area of unique scientific interest for this kind of studies. And this is because the area is characterized by a cluster of socioeconomic health and climate change vulnerabilities. So by focusing our study there, we had the opportunity to examine how blue space effects behave when socioeconomic deprivation comes into play. And this is, of course, also because of the unique size of the canal regeneration that's been taking place in the area. Okay, so how did you carry out this research then? I imagine this was quite a a difficult, lengthy process. Yeah, it was. So uh, we used uh, routinely collected primary care data from the Greater Glasgow and Clyde NHS, over a 10-year period between 2009 and 2018. So this included demographics and information of mental health drug prescriptions, medications of everyone who is registered uh, with a GP in Scotland between uh, 2009 and 2018. And we then split the populations in our data sets according to the Scottish Index of Multiple Deprivation, which is an index that looks at the extent to which an area is deprived uh, across seven domains. So these are income, employment, education, health, access to services, crime, and housing. And then all we did is that we created some algorithms and models and compared the effects of living near blue space on mental health according to distance of someone's residence from the canal and, of course, area deprivation level. So we know what the study was about. We know where it took place. You know how you did it. Tell us, what did you find when you completed it? Let me just start by saying that we've known for long that people at the lowest end of the socioeconomic spectrum face a disproportionately higher risk of mental health than those at the highest end. So first of all, our study confirmed this, and we found that people in the highest deprivation areas were up to 154% more likely to develop a mental health disorder than those in the areas uh, better off. Now, regarding the proximity to blue space, 
what we found is that living near the canal attenuates, uh, modifies these negative effects of socioeconomic deprivation and mental health by 4% for those in the medium deprivation areas of our study and by 6% for those in the highest deprivation areas. And this is an extremely important finding because it means that if we focus regeneration efforts to the most socioeconomically challenged areas of our cities, we can then improve the overall health equality in the population. One of the findings that you mentioned there was how it can reduce the risk of mental health conditions by about 4% and 6%. These sound like really small numbers, but could you explain what they mean? The numbers indeed look small at first sight, but it's important to note that from a population perspective, these effects can in fact be game-changing. So our study focused on the regeneration of a canal in just one area of Scotland, but if blue space regeneration efforts were adopted countrywide, the effects would be massive in absolute numbers in terms of public health. And also what's important is that this beneficial effect on mental health is just one of the blue space co-benefits. So for instance, last year, we published a similar study that was conducted in the same area, and we looked at the effect of blue space on chronic health conditions. And we found that living near blue space also lowers the risk of a range of chronic health conditions like cardiovascular disease, hypertension, stroke, diabetes, and obesity. And that was again for those living in the most socioeconomically deprived areas. And also on top of that, this is a canal regeneration that was initially developed to reduce flood risk and increase uh, climate adaptation in the area. So even though the health effects were hypothesized, they weren't taken into account directly for the development of this intervention. That's right. We recorded a podcast a couple of months ago with your colleague, Dr. Zoe Teague, who you mentioned there, and she spoke about the effect on uh, physical well-being. How did your project dovetail with hers? I see this study as, well, another important piece of the puzzle of blue space effects. Quite often, when we think about natural environments in urban areas, we tend to think about green spaces like parks and green open areas. And there's been a lot of research around green spaces, and we know that they offer several physical and mental health benefits. But green spaces are often non-equitably distributed in terms of access and proximity. Now, on the contrary, blue spaces are thought to be more equitably distributed, and they are really ubiquitous. So if we think about it, even landlocked cities are built around water features like canals, rivers, lakes, and so on. So this is all evidence that blue spaces can have similar, if not greater, effects to green spaces. And looking at the bigger picture, blue spaces can indeed play a huge role in improving the general public health in an equitable way and also make living in our cities a bit healthier and more sustainable. So these findings in Mihail, how can we put them into a practical context? What can we do with this research? I think that what this study tells us is that we need to do more in two things. The first thing is that blue spaces should become a priority in urban planning. The second thing, which is equally, if not more important, is that blue spaces could potentially be a key site for social prescribing programs. Now, for those not familiar with social prescribing programs, uh, very simply put, this is essentially a scheme run by the 
NHS in the UK to prescribe outdoor activities in nature uh, for the treatment of mental health disorders instead of drug medications. And although this is a trial stage, this is a promising and innovative idea. And Blue Spaces could potentially play an integral role in these programs. This research project must have taken up a lot of your time, but can you tell us a wee bit about yourself? Tell us a wee bit about your experiences at GCU. How long have you been working at the university for? First of all, my experience in GCU has been great so far. So I joined GCU in uh, October of 2019 for my PhD. So that's uh, three years. And uh, I think we all know what happened in 2019. <laughs> so right after we started, we had to transition to remote working and adjust some of the studies we had planned. But I think we were very organized and, well, I really enjoyed working with the team. That's all I can say. And of course, now after the end of the lockdowns, we also get the chance to go to conferences. So mm. that's even more exciting. So what projects do you have on the horizon then? Anything else up and coming? So let me just start by saying that I think that for blue spaces to be integrated in the social prescribing programs that I mentioned, uh, we also need to understand how the blue space mental health outcomes translate into well-being and economic terms. So at the moment, I'm working on a study that's essentially a valuation of these mental health effects that we've found. And I think this is an essential step to direct investment towards the regeneration of blue spaces for public health. Well, Mihail, that was excellent. Thank you very much for talking to me today. Good luck with the future and good luck with this project. It sounds very interesting and it sounds like it could make a lot of people's lives better when it's taken forward. Thank you very much. I would also like to thank everyone for listening to this episode and I'd like you to tune in next time when we'll be in conversation with another member from the GCU community. The views expressed in the Common Good podcast are those of the participant and don't necessarily represent the views of Glasgow Caledonian University. Please take the time to subscribe to this podcast. You can get every episode sent straight to your listening device by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and everywhere else. So there's no excuse. Until the next time, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been the Common Good Podcast.